But somewhere along the line, you changed. You stopped being you. You let people stick a finger in your face and tell you you're no good. And when things got hard, you started looking for something to blame, like a big shadow. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is gonna hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. And we are finally back. Finally back. Emphasis <laughs> on finally back. We've been around the globe and we're back in Minnesota. This month has been in. Same. Oh, it has been something special, hasn't it? Let's just never do it again. Well, I'm excited. <laughs> I mean, the month is basically over. It's the end of August, the unofficial end of summer, Labor Day, coming up here this weekend. But we have a very special guest, somebody I've never met in person, somebody I've never talked to before. A lot of the guests that we've had on the podcast in the past are people that I have a relationship with, whether it be, mm-hmm. you know, I do business with them, we're friends, or I've at least met them and spoke to them in person. This man is just the most intense human being I've ever, what, what's the word I want to use? Like witnessed through social media, through YouTube. Through, followed. Followed, <laughs> motivational. Uh, but he's been through some shit in he his has. life as well. Uh, one of the best documentaries I've ever seen, My Magnificent Obsession, a Generation Iron documentary on the one and only C.T. Fletcher. Mm-hmm. Um, and and C.T. was kind enough to come and do this podcast. He's a fan of what we're doing on our food brand, Fit I think Butters. it kind of launched off with the Fit Butters, his like specialty flavor of ambrosia with us. Yeah, the the chocolate caramel crunch bar, which is what we call it. They call it the chocolate caramel candy bar. I believe the ambrosia protein. Mm-hmm. It's his signature flavor. It's actually like number one slash number two at Vitamin Shop, along oh, yeah. with banana maple. So, uh, but we the people at Ambrosia, Sean, Mark, the team was kind enough to to hook us up, and we sent some stuff out to CT. CT showed it on social, loved it. Uh, and obviously agreed to do this show. So we are excited to bring him on the podcast. Again, one of the most like influential people. He's friends with with very, very prominent people in fitness, but he's also friends with one of our favorite celebrities, The Rock. The oh, Rock yeah. touts him out all the time. More celebrities <laughs> from my standpoint. You know, Steve Austin from the pro wrestling world. Um, I mean, he's... He's impacted the generation of lifters. If you guys, you you probably seen the shirts. Um, you know, it's still your motherfucking set. Like oh, yeah. the the acronym on the shirts, the hats. That's his. That's his thing. Uh, and if you you know, obviously scroll through TikTok or Instagram Reels. If you're looking for motivational speech in the background, guarantee CT Fletcher pops up. Oh, for sure. Because you can't listen to him speak. And not and, be motivated. And not want to lift some heavy <laughs> ass weight. So, oh, yeah. uh, again, I have no idea how this conversation is going to go, um, but I think it's going to go well, and I think it's going to be educational and eye-opening, and it'll be fun for me because uh, I don't, I'm not like a fanboy of, of particularly anybody, but I respect and I admire uh, the journey and what he's gone through. Um, Definitely. If you've seen it, My Magnificent Obsession, he talks about eating, oh, man, I think it was like four or five Big Macs a day oh and just God. all these things so he would be strong as shit and then uh, fast forward later in life having a, uh, a heart transplant or like a heart open heart surgery um, to the point where he could yep. have easily died on the operating oh, definitely. table. I mean, you know oh, about yeah. that more than I do. So excited about that. We'll let him kind of speak his own wisdom on that. But 
a lot of people always want to know, like, hey, what's going on with Danny and Ryan? Where you guys have been? We went to Europe for 10 days. Uh, then we went to New York for like five days. And yep. uh, I go to Chicago tomorrow. So when this podcast drops, <laughs> I don't know if this podcast is going to drop on Tuesday or Wednesday, but I may already be in Chicago. Um, I'm going back to work for AEW for a couple TV tapings. Um, but, I mean, have you... Let's let's talk about you for a second. We just found out we're gonna have a baby boy. Yep. In February, um, Ryan Jr. It's gonna be fantastic. <laughs> Ryan, and he's Jr. going to be one of the strongest human beings on the planet. About seven foot two, just jacked, <laughs> tan, uh, and all my that sounds dreams like our are child. Not coming true. No. How are you feeling? <laughs> um, the last few weeks have been better. Um, I would say pregnancy is not kind to me. <laughs> I don't love feeling the way I do, but. I have been feeling stronger. I've been feeling like I can get up and work out like we usually do. I've been getting up at 4 a.m. again, mm -hmm. which feels great. But otherwise, this process is hard for me. I mean, we just went through this huge prep, you know, and I got back to a spot where I felt good. And then watching my body go right back to where I was is very difficult. So that's always hard for me. But otherwise, overall, this pregnancy, I'm feeling better. That's good. Yeah. What's your goal? Like you post on social, on your platforms, on you want to have like the healthiest pregnancy, but define what that even means. I want to, like last time, obviously I was very active throughout. I literally worked out the day that we had baby, but my biggest goal this time is to be more active and hopefully have an easier recovery. Even though I was able to, you know, lift lighter and like things like that. There are a lot of things that I noticed postpartum that I feel like if I would have done things differently throughout my pregnancy, may have been easier. So that's my bigger like focus. What? Like for instance, like I feel like I took things a lot easier, like lighter, faster than I needed to, if that makes sense. Mm, like weight? Kind of, or like even running. Like I would love to be more active in the cardio and that kind of stuff than I was last time. Okay. I mean, yeah, you, now you, we can talk it and I do it and, and see what happens. I mean, mm -hmm. you, you gained like what, six or eight pounds or something. No, it was something stupidly small in your last pregnancy. Um, the entire pregnancy from start to finish, I gained like 13 pounds. And baby and Charlotte was what, like six, six something? Six pounds seven? and four ounces. Okay, so six and a half pounds roughly. But I saw a huge like, change in body composition, which was hard. Well, you lost muscle mass. Mm -hmm. You put on, you know, you put on blub, right? Like, I mean, <laughs> exactly. that's, that's what and you that's do. Exactly, and that's the reality. And like, I would like to see less of that if possible. And I think this time around, because my appetite and everything is better, I'm hoping that, you know, hopefully watching my macros more and eating healthier throughout will also help that. I mean, I got no doubt you can do it. It's just, it, it's, you're, you're counting calories now. And I think you, you found a method that works for you. Basically maintenance mode plus two, 300 calories to feed baby. Mm -hmm. um, that's my biggest thing as a husband and as somebody who obviously is an advocate for fitness and health. I don't want you to undercut what you're supposed to eat because you're oh, growing a little not. fucking human being in you <laughs> that needs to eat. I and think last time around and whenever I don't count my macros, I always notice I'm way under on protein. Yeah. And so that's one big thing that's like a focus this time. Even if my macros aren't perfect, I want to make sure I'm getting enough protein. I, I was going to start counting with you. And then I got this Chicago call and it's like, okay, well, if I'm going to Chicago, I'm not going to drag a scale with me. I'm not going to like, mm -hmm. I'm going to, I basically been eyeballing my food. I want to make sure I'm lean. I think and not you're loaded. under eating. If oh, anything, for sure. Right <laughs> I mean, definitely eating on carbs and trying to keep fats. He's low, so although. bad. He wakes up and has like a protein shake and they'll have a protein shake for lunch. And I'm like, 
How are you not starving? I mean, I had, I had a chicken and rice bowl <laughs> today. today. Yeah. Like, I mean, I've been ha- but I'm days. saying breakfast. I typically have been having just a, a whey protein shake, and then this morning I had one serving of oatmeal. But I'm doing it because I want to make sure I don't have any bloat when it comes. Because if I potentially get a TV match or a match even on YouTube, I don't want to look like, like I'm not fat by any means. No. I definitely put weight back on since prep, and, you're, and you should. If you don't, you're you're still being healthy. Um, but you know how it is. Like if you have any type of inflammation, gut issue, yeah. inflammation, I'm flying there, um, sleeping in a hotel, who knows how good of sleep I'm going to get. I'm probably going to be slightly nervous. So there's a lot of factors that go against me to begin with. So if I can control the controllables, which is my intake of food, I'm still, I definitely hitting my protein goal. I'm oh, eating yeah. a shit ton of protein. I'm just lowering carbs. And for, you know, for a while I want to lower fats, but now we're doing this fucking R&D stuff for Fiddlers, <laughs> which we have to do. And it's of like t- testing Fiddlers for the whole time. So um, if I'm lucky, I'll be on YouTube next week for AEW. And, and then on, when I get back, I'm, you know, I'm gonna, I, here's my thing. If I get on TV, I'm going to crush a Lou Malnati's pizza. I deserve that. That's my, of course. My, that's my payoff. Come home, start counting, spend time with the family, really dive in and stuff. Because we have a lot of moving parts going on in our businesses right we now. We do. Fitness Informant has a lot going on, a lot of product launches. We have supply side coming up at the end of October, early November, which I'm speaking at. We have the Olympia that we're going to be there as an exhibitor for Fitbitters. We are TBD on if we're going to cover the show for Fitness Informant because you're going to be popping. I'm going to be tired as shit. Um, yep. So a lot going on there. But just to give people an update on the transition on the Fitbitters side, we have not done a podcast since we made the announcement oh, yeah. that we're moving away from the collab. So I think I we owe it to the people to explain a little bit more in detail on why we're doing that. And quite frankly, it is we need to control the controllables. We need to control everything about our brand that we possibly can. And one of the things that we could not control is the supply chain of other brands now that could also mean containers and lids and etc like that but the flavoring system on something that keeps rising in cost something that's actually manufactured and is a food grade product uh there's a risk associated with using other brands as protein that is mm-hmm. not to say that anything bad would happen but god forbid a cfr 111 violation gets issued to one of these contract manufacturers who's manufacturing protein for one of the brands that we work with, that then falls back on us. We have to do a national recall. It hurts the brand. We decided to move away from that model so we can control the supply chain, so we can control the flavoring system, mm-hmm. and so we can hand select the manufacturer of protein. We went with Pernova. They are the absolute best in the space. They make protein putters for and performance putters and flavoring systems for many of the mm-hmm. large brands out there. So we have approved about 50% of the SKUs. Um, we're working on the rest. All the new rebrand is done. So you're going to start seeing a new look. Not crazy new look, but just a new look. You'll recognize us still. From, from Fitbitters, which yeah. I think is a sexier look, a better look. It's going to s- display more of what we are and, and how to use the product. Um, so that's going to start yep. coming out. So um, it's been fun doing the R&D stuff, but it requires us to eat a lot of butters. But that's fine. So the other question <laughs> is, are you ever going to have authentic collaborations again with dietary supplement companies? And the answer is yes. We will if it's a selective and strategic on both parts. Mm-hmm. So for example, like... Uh, red velvet cheesecake. If we decide, hey, let's bring red velvet cheesecake back next year, we may just go to Doug Miller and Core and say, hey, mm-hmm. let's do a collaborative effort here. It makes sense instead of us manufacturing a ton of protein for a limited launch. Now, that being said, it's a very popular flavor. Who knows what we do there? Um, but that's in a nutshell. If it makes sense, we'll do it. But again, at the end of the day, we want to control the controllables. We want to make sure that we have all of our processes tightened up. 
Last note on Fitblers coming out in two weeks from this recording of this podcast. At last. Finally. Carrot cake. Charlie's famous carrot cake. It's a cashew almond blend. It's vegan. It's topped with carrot cake Oreo. Oreo monolays. If you're listening or watching, please do not discontinue the Oreo. <laughs> uh, the carrot cake Oreo. We kind of need that in this mm-hmm. flavor. Um, and I bought a lot of labels. So if you discontinue it, that means I'm throwing a lot of stuff in the trash. Yep. And we're going to piss some people off. So we have quite a bit. Uh, we're manufacturing we we a ton here this week, next week. We're excited about Super this flavor. Super excited. Yeah. We've only been talking about the entire summer. The entire so. summer. We've ate so many carrot. <laughs> we literally became unhealthy from this this launch. We ate so many slices of carrot mm. cake. I don't, I'm, I'm not going to miss it. I honestly don't crave it. I'm going to miss it. I, mean, I don't I do crave sometimes. it anymore. Uh-uh. Depends on which one it is. I think we have, we've had like so many. I still crave true luck. True Lux Because food, I didn't know if it was as again. good as we thought it was. I think we were also on prep, so yeah, it might have been a little better sure. than we thought. But it was very good. It also has like a caramel sauce, so I think just makes it better. I, you, Yeah, it's always the caramel sauce with you. It's like, <laughs> hey, you want to you please, please your girl, figure out whatever sweetness that she likes and just drizzle it all over your body. Walk into the room, <laughs> and then she'll probably run away like mine would. But that's okay. Um, all right. Well, we... I'm excited. I want to, I want to get to the podcast with CT. I want to dive into the conversation. I want to know, like, I, I mean, I, I haven't watched the documentary in a while, so I can't remember everything from it. So I'm excited to revisit some of the stuff from the documentary. Now him being um, a hands-on father with his son, Samson, I believe his name is, who is a, another strong guy. They have um, the Iron Addicts Gym out in California, which I know Mark and Sean are part of that as well in Ambrosia. So let us pipe down. Hold our tongues and bring in the legend, the myth, not the myth. The real deal. He is the real fucking deal. The real deal. It's still your motherfucking set. Yeah, that's right. Let's go. Let's go. For the last two decades, we have been the best kept secret of the supplement industry. We've kept our heads down and worked. We pioneered full label transparency and full therapeutic doses because we believe that truly hard work requires truly effective tools. Two decades is a long time to commit to one pursuit, but when you act with purpose and become centered in yourself, eventually you realize that you were born and bred for this. Things you once thought impossible, you now do every day. We don't like the easy way, just doesn't feel right. We'll take the long, hard road over a shortcut any day. It takes longer, sure, but in the end, you know you earned it. 
And with the right team behind you, pushing yourself further than you've ever been will be just another afternoon doing what you love most. Adding my product is going to help you get to where you want to be. Five percenters is 5% of the people in the world that are willing to do whatever it takes to reach their goals. We're talking about business, success, education, willing to do whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. The legend himself, C.T. Fletcher, joining the Booty and the Beast podcast. It's an honor to, act. I mean, I was telling Danny, I've met so many people in this space. Jay Cutler, all these big, like, um, my first guest ever was Ronnie Coleman on the mm -hmm. show. But you have been, like, you're, I mean, this is just magnificent to have you on, my friend. So thank you for doing this. Well, I don't know how magnificent it is, but I appreciate <laughs> that. We already had the, the King of Kings, there, Ronnie Coleman, yeah. and Jay Cutler, you know, the prince. So yeah. uh, you're stepping down now. Man. Oh, come on. Oh, Jay. I wouldn't say that. <laughs> you know, we, were, we were talking before you came on with the invention of, you know, Instagram and TikTok. Like, you are going to live on forever because anybody who creates a reel or any sort of motivational workout video, it's like you are the first choice to put in the background with all the things you said. Motivational everything. <laughs> how how that's, is that? That's crazy to me, but uh, yeah, I think I, I I heard a few of them, and that's that's just unbelievable, man. All right, give me give me this. I know you're a pro wrestling fan. I'm also a pro wrestler, so uh, <laughs> I know when it goes into the art of promo and storytelling, you're a, a gifted god at doing this. The things that you've said over the years that have been documented, YouTube and things of that nature. How much thought went into that, or did you just on the fly think of it? Absolutely, everything was 100 percent on the fly. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I love yeah. it. So, okay, so, you know, your buddy Steve, Stone Cold Steve Austin, I saw you just posted about him uh, the other day, or actually today, I think, on the Kurt Angle video. He has his yeah, famous, yeah. he's got his famous Austin 316 promo. You have the, it's still your motherfucking set. So how, like, did that just come out of nowhere? Uh, absolutely. Well, it came from a workout. Uh, me and my big buddy, Big Rob, were working out one day, and he got the, uh, you know, he, he said, hey, CT, I got to go throw up, man. This shit is getting too rough. When, after he got back from throwing up, I said, hey, just wipe all that shit off your mouth. and Because uh, it's still your motherfucking set, Rob did it. Let's go, man. So it was, you know, instantaneously just my response I mean, to that, him saying he had to throw up. I mean, that phrase became so popular. It's a merchandise seller. It's literally the mantra that I think a lot of people in the gym live by now. Um, so it's how, how long ago was that? Uh, that was 2013. So, I mean, not that long ago, less than 10 nope. years. So, yeah. All right, man, look, we got to hear the, uh, now I, I, we were telling viewers on the opening here is like, obviously you have the documentary, a lot of things in your life is well documented. You've lived online and, and social proof. Uh, Danielle is a former RN, uh, and, and cardiology. So she's super interested to hear about your health oh. and, and how you're doing health wise. So how are you doing after all your major surgeries? Okay, I'm glad. Uh, so, um, cardiologist, okay, uh, a, a cardiology nurse? 
Yep, I worked on actually a floor that did all the heart transplants, the major like heart failure, LVADs, all of that. So I was like, oh my gosh, he had a heart transplant. I know all about those. I took care of those patients. I can't imagine what the nurses <laughs> that took care of you went through. <laughs> but so you, you, yeah, you absolutely uh, uh, know some of the inside, and you know that uh, getting a heart transplant, first of all, is not an easy thing. Oh, no, people and, wait forever uh, you know, and sometimes never get one. So it's amazing. Absolutely. Absolutely. People don't realize that they think, you know, once you get on the list, that's it. And you're going to, but that's no. a whole lot of people right. don't make it while waiting on a transplant. That's the first thing. And then a lot of people think that after you get a heart transplant, you're, you're back to 100%. You're just as good as ever. And that's absolutely untrue. As you know, oh, 100%. Uh, the medications, just the medication that you have to take, you know, every day for the rest of your life, however long that is, uh, do a major job on you so they can, mm-hmm. they can mess you up. You they know? Do. Quality of life is a, is a big deal after the, uh, after a heart transplant. How do you feel since the whole surgery? Well, I know I it's been years, absolute, but yes, it's, uh, 2018, so mm-hmm. I feel absolutely blessed to have this extra time, borrowed time that, you know, I wasn't supposed to get because uh, while waiting on the transplant, you know, I actually flatlined a total of five times. Oh. And uh, so they they uh, they kind of bumped me up on that last one. <laughs> oh, my god! When I got, you know, I had the last flatline, they bumped me up a, a little bit. Hey, we better hurry up before this guy don't make it. Yeah, definitely. Were you on a lot of medications and different things before when you were waiting for the heart transplant? About 15 different meds. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. And, you know, yeah, the the medications, um, the side effects of the medications sometimes make you feel pretty near as bad as you did before you got your transplant. Mm -hmm. And people don't realize that. The the side effects are rough. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Definitely. they are pretty rough sometimes, you know. And then it's a it's a balance of uh, quality of life, and then they have to the doctors have to also worry about your numbers, you know, your blood pressure and, and uh, heart rhythm. You know, they have to, to worry about the whole. It's a balancing act all the time just to keep us transplant people going. Definitely, and there's a lot but, of increased risk with the medications and infections and different things that go along with the anti-rejection meds. And yeah, I, I think a lot of people don't think of the aftermath <laughs> and even the people who are getting the transplant. I remember yeah, yeah. a lot you of people are uh, amazed really, at the meds. Yeah. The, the medications, uh, you know, I, I always, I'm a, I'm the fuck excuses guy and, uh, you know, no matter what happens, you got to keep going. And mm-hmm. that's why, you know, a week after my transplant, I'm sorry, a month after my transplant, I fell flat on my face trying to run across a parking lot. I was you know, I'm, I'm going to show everybody that this shit ain't going to stop me. My will is stronger than all this medication and all this. I'm going to show them that nothing can stop the old man from going. <laughs> I took about five steps and bam. Oh, yeah. Kissing, kissing the parking lot. Yeah. <laughs> I know they say when you get a, a transplant of this nature, sometimes you can not necessarily like take on the personality of the person whose heart it was, but maybe feel something or, or, or something that's not necessarily yourself. Do you have any experience with that? Or do you feel like CT always felt 
outside the you know complications I think that come with it? Well, I feel mostly uh, I'd say eighty five percent just like I did uh, before. Eventually, I feel just like I did before. Mm-hmm. But absolutely, uh, there's some things that happen now that are uh, unexplained to me. I'll get a a strange scent that nobody else can smell but me. <laughs> I'm like, uh, you know, wow, you know, this is, and I, uh, you know, as crazy as it may seem, I actually talk to my donor uh, quite often, you know, in right up here, you know, oh, I have wow. conversations with her. Yeah, and, I, and so, uh, yeah, I, I feel her, uh, it was a lady, by the way, I have a lady's heart, mm-hmm. so I feel her quite a bit. I feel her spirit. That's great. I mean, do you, what type of information do they give you? Do you get any, do you, are you able to speak to like family members and thank you? I mean, I, I have no idea how it works. Yeah, no, she, your wife knows that. She knows that uh, uh, they don't allow you, uh, you can write a letter, which I did. I wrote a letter to the, the family of the donor expressing to them, you know, how, try to express to them, which you never can, how mm-hmm. grateful you are for the gift of life and, you know, how much it means to me. And I do everything in my power to, uh, you know, honor that sacrifice that they made. You know, I, I, I wrote that down. I sent it to them and they never responded, but that's, that's all you can, that's all I can do. Um, I hope, I hope that they somehow can figure out that where the heart went and that, uh, you know, I'm trying to do my best to honor, the sacrifices their family member made for me. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Obviously, in in before the heart transplant, you made decisions that came to bodybuilding. I've made those same decisions in bodybuilding. What do you tell the youth now who's going out there and taking it? I mean, bodybuilding has always been an extreme sport. We all know you can look at somebody who's 380 pounds overweight. That's unhealthy. You can also look at the winner of Mr. Olympia and also say that's unhealthy. Like, I mean, that type of lifestyle is not sustainable. What type of advice have you been giving to the youth who look up to you? Because you went through this. You know the decisions that you have made. What's the best advice you can give so that way people can hopefully live a long, prosperous life where they don't necessarily have to go through everything that you went through because there is no guarantees there? Absolutely. Uh, now, by the decisions that, that I made, I've, I've, uh, you know, I've, been, I've advocated against uh, the use of anabolic steroids for many, many, many years. Mm-hmm. And uh, I and I told people, you know, when I was a youngster, 21, 22 years, I had people come to me. And the, the biggest the biggest regret that I have is letting somebody persuade me to do something that I thought was not good in the first place. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't think I, I didn't think it was just but I let people talk me into it. And that's, I hate that because, you know, I'm supposed to be this the strong will, the strongest will on the planet. I had people persuade me or let them talk me into saying, hey, you're going to, you can do this at, the, at my, you know, and then beginning when I started out, Mr. America mm-hmm. was an even bigger title than Mr. Olympia. Right. Mr. Mm-hmm. America was the title that everybody wanted to buy for. That was the tippity top. I entered my first few contests and they were like, hey, man, you know, what are you taking? What is this? And I didn't even, if people don't believe me, and I don't, you know, I, I was playing some blue, but I don't really care what it was. I didn't even know what a steroid was mm-hmm. until I entered 
an actual body drilling contest. And they said, oh, no, there's no way. And I had 20-inch arms, and I didn't even know what it was. <laughs> and, and, and guys said, well, you what? You don't know? You could have, you have all this potential. You could uh, be Mr. America if you just do this. And back then, it wasn't illegal. You just go to your doctor, get a prescription. And they, oh, wow. I went right to Kaiser Pharmacy. And took my prescription, went right to Kaiser Pharmacy. I was working at the post office at the time and got my prescription from a steroid and, and tried it out for about six months. And to me, it still was the worst decision I ever made because, I, first of all, I let somebody talk me into it. Right. And that mm-hmm. bugs me to this day. I wish sure. I had done that shit to this day because of that. And I, I want kids. My son now is, is a weightlifter and mm-hmm. he's competing and stuff, and he's leading the, uh, you know, the drug-free charge, you know, because I can't, you know, um, I can't go back and live with what my son is leading the charge for drug-free, and I'm going to represent that. I'm going to let the kids know that they have a fucking choice, mm-hmm. and I, and hopefully they won't, you know, they won't be facing. I was guy said, look. If you do this, you can be Mr. American. You're going to have to throw mail facts for a living. Right. You can be on the cover of magazines. That was mighty tempting to a 21-year-old of kid. Course. I'm like, fuck these mail facts. I want to, I want to lift weights for a living <laughs> because I always, you know, I love lifting weights. And that was just, that was too much temptation for me to pass up. So I had to at least give it a try. But uh, I want to get, I want to let kids know that they have a fucking choice. Because right. there's a lot of, a lot of kids out there that are naturally strong, naturally built, and you know, and they're probably getting accused of taking steroids, uh, mm-hmm. just like I was, you know, from the beginning. And uh, and they're going to get people that offer them them because they they have approached my son already. Oh, yeah. Man, you're this strong without you bent to 500 pounds. And don't, oh, if you did this, they are they're doing the same thing. You know, I was oh, fucking 40 years ago for me, and now you know they're still doing the same thing. Right. So he's I tell people all the time he's much stronger than I ever was because he didn't say, yeah, he didn't say, yeah, I'll try it. I'll give it a shot. He was able to, you know, withstand all of the uh, temptations and the promises that people make. So I say he's much, much stronger than me. I mean, you were already right. uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, but you heart failure or heart problems. Was that genetically kind of runs in your family? Absolutely. My mother and all nine of her, Brothers and sisters all passed away. It was ten kids all together. And they all passed away from heart problems. That's insane. Mm. I mean, so sad. I know. Yeah, yeah we were, oh. we were talking beforehand. She's like, it runs in the family, and then obviously you lived a pretty hard lifestyle with the weight that you're lifting, the diet that you're on. Um, you know, a combination of everything plus your predisposition to this happening. Um, it was like um, a, a recipe for failure, almost, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my, my older brother, Walt, who was a year and a half older than me, um, he, uh, he, he didn't lift weights at all, but, uh, you know, he ate whatever he wanted to mm-hmm. and he passed away, uh, at, you know, before he made his 60th birthday, he wasn't 60 yeah. years old. So it's, you know, it's, it's pre, like I said, it's predestined, but, you know, with the just the eating habits alone, if if I wasn't, you know, lifting all the weights, if I just ate bad, uh, like my big brother, he, he couldn't, you know, he, he couldn't, food was a temptation for him that he couldn't resist. Right. And he also was opposed to surgery. 
he he wouldn't have took a uh, he would not have had a transplant even if they offered it to him. He would not have taken a heart transplant. He was afraid, definitely afraid of getting cut off. No, I'm not going to let him cut me open. Oh, he's yeah. seen what happened to me after my first uh, open heart surgery, and he's like, "Oh no, I'm not <laughs> doing that." Because uh, you had two surgeries. Yeah, one in 2005, Absolutely. right? Quite so a bit what? Earlier. Yes. What, what happened with the first one? Then did it not take? Is it, that? No, I, it was aortic valve. Oh, gotcha. The first time mm-hmm. aortic valve went out, and I had to have uh, emergency open heart surgery to replace the valve in 2005. So then you went from 2005 to 2018 then before the, the transplant. Did the doctors at that point in 05 kind of give you sort of a heads up like, hey, there's going to be a point in your life where you're going to need to get this ticker replaced? No, no. I thought after the valve, I was good to go, man. A lot and, of people know, get valve replaces years. and don't need yeah. anything else. Yeah, I was, uh, I was raising quite a bit of hell after I got that... Uh, after the first surgery, you know, I went to, I lost a lot of weight and, and all the YouTube stuff and all the videos like that was, you know, after the first surgery and I was 53 years old before I even ever got on YouTube. So everything that people see, all the yelling and cussing and stuff like that, I was <laughs> in my 50s then. That's awesome. Is it crazy to you when you got somebody like Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, posting on his Instagram about how influential you are? to somebody like him when he's lifting weights and, and using the iron as his anchor? Absolutely. It's, uh, it's, you know, so I tell, I tell my wife and, and sometimes it feel like I actually did die. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. No, you're good. Uh, sometimes I, I, you know, I tell my wife it feels like I actually did die on the operating table, and my life now is just a dream. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Because I, I mean, you guys, did you you worked out with The Rock, right? Did you guys work? No, out no. Okay. I met him. Uh, I met him at the gym. Uh, we were doing a, a convention, and I met him at you know it was a gym also inside where we were doing the convention. I met him in the gym just one time. We got to talk a little bit and talked about our dads and how similar our upbringing was. And we became uh, pretty good friends and we stayed in contact ever since then. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great. What's, um, and I'm sure you've told this story multiple times, but what led you to the iron? What led you to the gym? Uh, I would say the first influence was a cousin of mine named Junior Miles. Uh, this guy was in and out of prison all the time. But uh, when he, he would, whenever he got out, he would come by and see my mom. And I'm a little kid, and uh, I would look up, and here come this guy with some. He looked like he had 30 inch arms with me, <laughs> <laughs> and he was very, very well respected. And as a little kid, I'm like, man, even though he was, you know, a jailbird, <laughs> he was still very well respected. And I always remember. Uh, they let him out for his mom's funeral. My favorite, one of my favorite aunts. They let him out for the funeral, and he came in handcuffs, and he had a guard, and with him there, you know, they just allowed him for the funeral. And, and after the funeral was over, they had a little thing at his mom's house, and everybody was laughing and joking, you know, and having a pretty good time. And Junior did not appreciate everybody being so gay, uh, you know, after his mom's funeral. So handcuffs. With the armed guard, Junior said, everybody, shut the fuck up. 
<laughs> and you can hear a fucking pin drop when Junior said that. <laughs> so uh, I, me as a little kid, I was like, damn. Yeah. He handcuffed. He got a guard. And everybody respected him so much, even under those circumstances. You could, like I said, you could hear a fucking pin drop. The dog stopped barking. That's insane. Water stopped running. Oh my <laughs> Every, gosh. Everybody froze. When Junior said that, and I said to myself as a little kid, "I want to be just like him." <laughs> <laughs> and you did. I mean, like, so, so was he? Obviously, being locked up, and and I have two bro, my middle brothers, in another prison their whole life. All you can do is back then. Now you can email and do all these other things, right? But like back then, it was read books, work out. I mean, those are like the two <laughs> things yep. you got to do. So I'm assuming he was just clanging and banging while he was there. Yep, that's it. And he come out, man, he was, you know, like, uh, he looked like Mr. America, uh, uh, if Mr. America lived in Compton. (laughs) (laughs) So then what what, what was the first gym that you went to and did you have any clue, like, what the hell you were doing? Um, I had a little clue because of uh, uh, Junior Miles, uh, my cousin, and Jim Britt was actually my first trainer. And, you know, they taught me, uh, Jim Britt taught me how to work out, really. My dad bought me and my brother a set of weights from the swap meet when I was like uh, eight, nine years old. Oh, wow. So the only thing I knew how to do really was curl because my dad didn't believe in uh, weightlifting. He said weightlifting, you know, was a waste of time. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> he, told, he told me that, uh, you know, the guys, when I was growing up, guys with weightlifters, you know, we didn't, we just, they were just for looks, but they couldn't really fight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and man, boy, I was pissed when he said that. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we didn't, we didn't really get along that good anyway, man. <laughs> uh, family, obviously, it seems, I mean, your, your son, and I just saw you, you had more, more little ones pop up on here. How important is family to you at this point? In your, obviously, it's important at all points of life. But now, you know, where you're at, what you've been through, when you think about your family, how important is that to you? That's absolutely the most important thing uh, in my existence, period, is my family. My family, you know, you, that, but that's, I think, with anybody. But uh, just, you know, that little one, that's Samson's oldest son. Well, that's his second oldest son. Mm. And he, he's grandpa's boy. <laughs> and he, you know, and just think, you know, uh, I would not have seen him had not the transplant been successful. I think about that all the time. When I see him running up and down and jumping on my, man, I, I have so many of my grandkids. I have 19 grandkids oh, wow. and I would not have seen, you know, so many of them had not the transplant been successful. So I'm just, anybody ask me how I'm doing? I'm blessed, man. I'm blessed. I'm blessed all the time. Right. I'm just blessed. Do you feel like you value family the same amount before the surgery or is it more after? No, I, I, I value my family. Just, you know, uh, I don't know if it's possible to say more because I, you know, I, I valued the hell out of them before, oh, you good. know, there's my, my, my reason for living, my reason for existing, for doing everything was always, you know, to try to make it better for my family to start a business to start. I started Iron Addict. Mm-hmm. So my kids wouldn't have to go punch the clock, you know, 40, you know, 40 something, uh, 28 years like I did. Cause I, 
I hated all 28 of them years. I didn't like working for other people. I always wanted to have my own business my, and start my own, you know. And I thought at the age of 53 that that was never going to happen. And some guy comes stumbling in the gym, a Rosh named Arash Babu from Strength Project. And he says, hey, CT, you want to be on Instagram? I mean, you want to be on YouTube? And I go, what the fuck is YouTube? I had no idea what YouTube was. <laughs> so <clears throat> I'm I'm a popular guy today. People yeah. keep calling me. Yeah, but you are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I, I don't know what the fuck YouTube is, man. But that started it all. We made one video called The Strongest Man You Never Heard Of. And, mm-hmm. that, you know, it was off to the races after that. It's funny, I mean, the Iron Addicts, like, when, when you first, I'm, I had to bring up, like, Mark Lobliner and Mike Rashid and, and Sean Turbati and the people at Ambrosia, because they're, first and foremost, like, you mentioned family, like, mm-hmm. those guys to us are like family. They're yes. great, and I'm sure same can be said with you, but when you when they first announced that you were being part of the Ambrosia family, I thought to myself, huh, that's an interesting partnership, just because, like, Iron Addicts and, like, it's still your motherfucking set, right? And then Ambrosia, unique formulations, really cool stuff. What brought you and gravitated you to a brand like that? I mean, that, hey, they make phenomenal stuff, but it just seemed they a little do. bit, you know, for lack of better terms, it seemed a little bit more soft than mm-hmm. what people know about C.T. Fletcher. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you have to remember that uh, Mike Rasheed was one of the original Iron Addicts. Mm-hmm. He started out with me, you know, uh, in the beginning. So he approached me first and, asked, you know, that's my boy. So he, and, but, uh Total shift, total shift after, you know, uh, having a heart transplant, you try to be as healthy as possible. That's the least I can do for my donor. I mean, I owe her that right. to try to, you know, live out the rest of the life that she wasn't able to live out. Mm. So you look for the healthiest possible alternative that you can. And when he, so when we start telling me about Ambrosia and how healthy it was and, and, uh, I, I was on board big time. So that was, a you know, I'm looking for the healthiest thing possible. Right. It's like kit butters. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm, I'm looking for the healthiest alternative always. I just can't believe how good that fucking peanut butter tastes. <laughs> <laughs> we tried. We tried our best. I mean, like, we love that one's my favorite. Yeah, so. <laughs> we, we love working with Mark and Sean, and then um, they've been great to work with. And so when we pitch it to Sean's like, hey, we're going to, because we, we like Lowbliner's Outright Bar. He's got that Twix Outright Bar. And I'm just like, what if right. we create a butter like this, you know? And Sean's like, we want to use it and CT flavor. I'm like, yeah, that'd, that'd be great. Though I realized, yeah. and this is for the listeners and viewers too, like CT Fletcher's signature flavor, the chocolate caramel candy bar is number one. It bounced between number one and two at, at vitamin shop between banana and maple. They're both ambrosia protein, yeah, both yeah. vegan proteins, but I think yours is number one now, um, it, which is pretty cool. Like, I mean, oh yeah, <laughs> CT Fletcher plant protein, number one at vitamin shop. But you know, we love that one. It's great. Um, you mentioned Danny asked you about valuing family more after the surgery. Like what things do you value more now after surgery? Like what things kind of like, you know, obviously that maybe prior to the surgeries you maybe took for granted or didn't put much thought into, but then since you, I mean, you were literally, there's no guarantee on that surgery. Like what's how even after the surgery. And that's one thing I think a lot of people don't know. Like you get done with the surgery. Well, after the surgery, there is a ton of risk. There's a ton of things that go into post-surgery. You never really get to a per, like a perfect clear spot. Right. You're always kind of at a risk. You're always, you know, it's really a fight every day after a transplant. 
So, Absolutely. Um, they, you know, as you know, they put you in isolation. I was in isolation for a while because I, I did get an infection oh, uh, during the surgery, and it, it was uh, it's it is not. People think that you know, once you get the surgery, then you're all good, everything is wonderful. But hell no. I mean, mm-hmm. when, when you're first starting out, just to uh, just to walk, you know, they had you walk around the ward, the hospital, and just to make one lap around my floor, you know, that was like uh, the victory lap. And I felt like I ran the fucking Boston Marathon. <laughs> I was oh, so happy to be able to, to, you know, walk all the way around that floor. So it's uh, it's like starting all over again, yeah, man. It is. <laughs> it is. Were there things in your life that, you know, post-surgery, you're like, I'm, I'm much more grateful for this now. H- having gone through a near-death experience, you know, uh, is there anything like that that stands out to you? Oh, yeah, I'm more grateful for everything. <laughs> the things that, you know, you take uh, for granted, because when I was a youngster, uh, I thought I was indestructible. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what, when I used to, uh, like I said, somebody got to be the baddest. Right. And that's mm-hmm. one of the things, I say, it's a long line of bad motherfuckers. Somebody <laughs> got to be the baddest. And as far as I was concerned, that was me. Right. I thought I was bulletproof, indestructible, you know, and nothing could hurt me. And I never planned, as a young man, I never planned on living a long time anyway. I figured, you know, if I made it to 40, man, I was mm-hmm. doing good. You know, back when, when you're 15, 16, 40 seemed like a long way off. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but, man, I tell you, uh, just, uh, you know, opening, open, every morning when you just open your eyes, when I open my mind, open my eyes every morning, I'm grateful, you know, thank God. Thank you God for another day. I get to grab these grandkids and give them a kiss. And, you know, just the simple, simple things that you take for granted now that you, you, everything becomes more magnified, more intense. Because I've had the experience of talking to someone just like I'm talking to you two right now. And the next minute, I'm flatlined. Um, and I mean, I was at home and there was no, you know, crash card or doctors around or anything. And I'm there. I'm talking to my wife one minute and the next minute I am gone. So I know how fleeting and, uh, you know, un- life is just, there's no guarantee about life. So every day, every accident, all the things, smelling flowers and and everything is so much more amplified yes. since the transplant. Everything, I'm just so grateful for everything. People say, well, CT, CT changed my life. And I, my, I, I'm, I am as nothing as nothing can be. I am so uh, worthless that it's because I had no control whatsoever over me being here and not being here. It was nothing. I, I, I didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. I had no control of it whatsoever. I'm, I'm laying here at the mercy of God and my doctors. And that's it. And so I, I didn't do anything. It was all up to them. They did. Right. Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, you, you I, I get where you're coming from when you say those things. But I mean, yeah, the, the amount of people that you've impacted 
uh, whether it was they they discovered you on YouTube and went to the gym, and a lot of people say bodybuilding in the gym saved their lives just because it gave them something to obviously look forward to or lose weight. Uh, I, I think there's a lot to be said about the influence that you've had on a huge population of people, um, which, I mean, when you're 15, 16 years old thinking you're going to live till 40, you probably never had a, a dream or admiration of being that guy, but you are that guy. So the mm-hmm. question is, what left do you, what is there left that you want to do? Because, I mean... You know, for Danny and I talk about times like here's a bucket list of things that I want to accomplish professionally, personally. What are some things that CT wants to still accomplish in his days? Well, I, I want to make sure that the Iron Attic legacy is secure. And, I, you know, I, I want my family to have the option of if they want to go work at AT&T or the post office or the police force or whatever, dig and ditch, whatever, they can. Mm-hmm. But. I want them also to be able to uh, work for Iron Addicts if that's their choice. I want to leave that legacy. I want to leave the business to them. And I want to, you know, leave the legacy of, of uh, I want people to say that that old man, you know, he was real. Yeah. Absolutely. I want him to say he was real. Um, <clears throat> and he was fucking trying. He went out trying. Man. <laughs> he did his absolute fucking best. Hell yeah. I would say that you are well on your way uh, of accomplishing all that. I know we're we're coming out to, to California. It's because is your Iron Addicts. You you had several locations that franchised the name. Now, um, your, California is still the big baby, right? Out in out in Cali's, right? Yeah. So we're coming out to California in December. I mean, we're gonna have to make a point to come uh, because I can't. Absolutely. I cannot not Absolutely. lift at the most hardcore gym in California for Heck sure. Yeah. So love um, it. I'll be very pregnant, but we can do that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we definitely don't expect no mercy. Yeah, no. <laughs> we'll just we'll, we'll go into labor at Iron Axe. That'd Why be not? a story right there. Why not? So, uh, we appreciate the time, CT. Like your story is unbelievable. If people want to know more, they can obviously follow you on social media, watch your YouTube, check out the documentary, uh, or go to TikTok or Instagram because every motivational speech is 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 it's either The Rock or it's CT Fletcher, and you can't really go wrong with either at this point. Nope. <laughs> we appreciate you, buddy. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me.